Hey everyone and welcome to Games Are Fun, the weekly video game podcast show that talks about video game news, stories, and highlights. My name is Luke Armstrong and thank you for joining me on an episode, another episode of Games Are Fun. Of course, Games Are Fun is available every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Mountain Daylight Time. You can catch the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and CastBox, wherever you're listening to it on. If you like the show, make sure you show your support by subscribing or liking the episode. Of course, it's not required, but every little bit of support that you guys give to the show really goes a long way for me. So thank you everyone who comes and checks out the show. In this week's episode, I'm talking about Red Dead Retention 2, specifically my thoughts and impressions on the game. I got the game day one, October 26th. I got it right in the morning. And I've played it all weekend. I probably put 25 to 30 hours into it, I would say. Somewhere in that ballpark. And I've gathered enough thoughts and impressions that I can now devote a whole episode to what I think of the game. So in today's episode, I'm going to be going over what I really like about the game. Some things that I didn't, don't necessarily care for. And just... My what what I think about Red Dead as a video game. Um, it's a very deep video game. There's a lot going on with it. It's very impressive. And so I have a lot of thoughts and things that I wanted to break down on today's episode. But this week for Games Are Fun is actually a bigger week because not only are you guys getting this episode at the normal time on Tuesday, there's going to be an additional episode. So this Friday... Is going there's going to be another episode released of Games Are Fun, and it's going to be part one of two on Red Dead Redemption 2. It's going to be a spoiler cast, so I'm actually going to be talking more about the story and things that happen in the game. So avoid that episode if you're wanting to stay free from any spoilers and stuff. Um, it's going to be part one of two. I have not even come close to beating the game. I, Like I said, I've put 25 to 30 hours and I'm probably only 30% completed of the game. Um, but So my goal is to, by Friday's episode, hopefully be closer to that 50% mark. And yeah, just do one episode that talks about some of the stories that I've experienced so far with the game. And then uh, part two will be, you know, probably my impressions and talking about the, the last little bit of the story of the game. So not sure when part two is going to come out. Maybe the following week. I'm not really sure. It just depends on how much more of the game I can can get through in the next week. But that's what this week's uh, For Games Are Fun kind of looks like. So you guys get an extra episode. Um, this episode is, is just my thoughts and impressions. There's going to be no spoilers for the story. Um, of course, if you're wanting to experience everything for yourself, I would just... You know, go and play the game yourself and avoid, uh, you know, podcasts and videos talking about the game. But I assure you that this is just going to be my thoughts and impressions on Red Dead 2. If you're looking for spoilers, that will be Friday's episode. So that's what Games Are Fun looks like uh, today as well as on Friday. But let's just get get the housekeeping stuff out of the way. So we did a community Let's Play uh, for the month of October, we played Friday the 13th on October 27th, only played for like a couple hours. Uh, Coleman Dean made it out for that Games Are Fun, obviously. Coleman is a very big supporter of the podcast. You guys hear about him on the show. He made it out. We live streamed on Twitch. It wasn't uh, the best experience. The game was really repetitive. I had only played like three matches of Friday the 13th before jumping in on the Let's Play. 
and Coleman hadn't really experienced it before that either. And we kind of, you know, we're playing on the same map and then it just kind of got cut short just because we weren't really feeling it. So um, yeah, a, a little bit of a bust on, in a certain sense. So I don't know if that is going to continue. I think there'll just be dates uh, that'll hit up you guys and maybe reach out to play some games. But as far as the community Let's Play monthly thing, I think I'm going to scrap that for now. Um, and maybe in the future we can restructure it in a way that makes sense. So that's that. Um, and that's basically it for housekeeping. That's the only point I wanted to put out. Um, yeah, so let's get on, I guess, with the episode. So Red Dead Redemption 2 is a, a freaking game. Uh, can I ever tell you that it is a game for sure? Uh, it is a big game and is actually it's more than a game in a certain sense. So Red Dead Redemption 2, I came into this game having played Red Dead 1 the year it came out. So it had been about like eight years or whatever since I played Red Dead Redemption, the first one on Xbox 360. And so to begin with, I decided that I wasn't going to pre-order Red Dead because you don't really need to necessarily pre-order games nowadays. You can basically just go in to the store and they have excessive amounts of of the, of the game and so I decided to do that and so October 26th the day it came out I went in I bought it and I decided to buy it for PlayStation 4 as opposed to my Xbox One. Now I have the very original Xbox One and I have the like the PS4 Slim not the stock PS4 that came out um, in 2013 but uh, the updated version there's not really too much of a difference between the very original PS4, but I decided to go with the PS4 because my Xbox One is kind of just chugging along. It is kind of slow. Um, download times take a really, really long time compared to my PS4. So I decided, you know, with a game as big as Red Dead Redemption 2 is about 100 gigabytes, I decided that my PS4 would probably be the best uh, hardware to be able to handle it. And um, it didn't really matter when it came down to like a graphical standpoint because I don't have a PS4 Pro and I don't have an Xbox One X So it didn't really matter what platform I got it on, but I just thought it would run smoother on the PS4 um, Just because yeah when I'm using my PlayStation 4 It's much smoother and it's much faster than my Xbox So I got it for PlayStation 4 and I was actually contemplating getting the ultimate edition that comes with a bunch of like downloadable content um, as well as the game came in like a steelbook case Kind of cool stuff, but then I didn't really, I couldn't really justify it for like the extra 20 bucks. So I just bought the standard edition. And the first day that it came out, I played the game for about 10 hours through that whole day. Now it wasn't a 10 hour, like, start to finish playthrough session. It was broken up into chunks. So uh, I got home, started downloading the game. It took about, I would say an hour and a half, maybe a little less than that. So while I did that, went and worked out, came back, the game was ready to go, and I booted it up, and I probably played for four hours right off the bat. Um, the game, uh, again, this isn't really a spoiler, it just, it like every other game, it does kind of start off in kind of like a tutorial, prologue kind of story, where kind of, the story's already happening as when you get into the game, and so it kind of throws you in there, and the first thing I notice is just the amount of detail in the game. It starts off in a, a snowy uh, environment at the beginning of the game. And the first thing that I'm just grabbed by is the detail around me. It's like this 
there's this blanket of snow in the, the mountains and the trees and um, the snow is blowing in the wind. And it just like, it was really encapturing me in a way that I really was focusing on the environment around me. And I couldn't wait to just keep going. Let's, I want to see this world. It's already grabbed me on how amazing it looked. Um, the characters are in the cold and it's freezing and they're trying to find shelter. And you just like, you feel you feel like the the coldness just from your living room playing through the game. So I was already, uh, you know, brought in just by that that tone that it set at the very beginning of the game. But I will say, as I'm playing through this introductory kind of tutorial, I'm noticing that the pacing is quite slow. It's not here's kind of the how to do things. All right, go at it. Start doing some missions. The first little bit of the game is kind of setting up. I think the foundation of what the story is going to be for the game, um, but which makes sense. They needed they need to set the stage for that. But at the same time, it was very slow. I got that impression right off the bat that this was a slow game. Um, as I kind of continued and made it through that initial stage to then having the world open up to me in a way that I can now go do what I want. Um, it took a lot longer than I expected, but when I did get to that point, I was able to kind of freely explore uh, some different areas in on the map, right? Um, and that's when some missions started popping up. So uh, yeah, my I'm not going to lie to you. When I first played it, I knew I kind of I listened to a little bit of uh, some different podcasts on Thursday, the day prior to its release, because that's when the embargo broke. And people could start talking about the game. And I was, I didn't want to spoil myself. I didn't want to spoil any experiences or, you know, um, taint any sort of discovery when I experienced the game for myself for the first time. But I did hear that the game was very slow and that it was so detailed that some of the tasks almost seemed tedious. So I, I kind of already had that perception in my mind, even if I wasn't consciously thinking about it. Um, and when I did start thinking about it, I did notice that, yeah, the pacing of it was something that like, okay, this is going to be something I'm going to really need to take my time with. And once I just once I kind of switched that in my mind of like, this isn't going to be fast paced, this is this is going to be slow, this is going to be something that I'm going to have to take my time and play through. I, I really started uh, appreciating that aspect of it. So, yeah, the, the game, like I said, the it just is so detailed. The environment, the characters, it's crazy. Um, once you kind of start getting off into the world, you notice that you can start interacting with NPCs. You can go up to them and greet them, or you can antagonize them, or you could rob them. And based on your actions, that can like change different things that happened in the world around you. For example, there's these random encounters that happen where characters will come up to you and, you know, need assistance. Maybe their horse um, is stuck somewhere or they need help getting somewhere, they're lost or whatever. And you can kind of choose how you react to that person. Um, and let's say you help them out. I found that later in the game, based on just these little small snippets, things that you don't think would actually affect the game can come up later in positive ways or negative ways, depending on how you reacted to that person initially. 
So I'm like, if this is the level of detail that they have with random stranger encounters, I was just like, okay, what are those big choices I have to make in the on the main story? How are those choices going to affect my my game, right? I noticed that once I started doing missions that how I I was given choices on what to do in missions and based on that, that almost it seemed as if like the next mission I went on where they mentioned my actions that I did the last, it like almost started taking into a new trail. So I don't know if like that's like a programming thing that just kind of on the fly re, uh, reroutes you to d different things or if it's, you know, copy and paste certain choices over the same kind of scenarios, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, it, it was it was really amazing to see that, okay, not only is this an open world game where I can go hunting and I can go fishing and I can go to the saloon and I can do all these things, it also is adapting to the choices I make, which I really like. And that's giving the player a lot of freedom, um, which some people, you know, get overwhelmed with. And I was one of those people that if there's too much of that in a game, it, it can be overwhelming, but they do it in a way that is simple. There's not a ton of like sub menus that you need to go through on di uh, and that kind of stuff. And when you start adding th that level of detail, the gaminess aspect of it, that's when I kind of get overwhelmed. If they keep it cinematic, if they keep it in a way that almost makes you forget that you're playing a video game, that's where I totally, totally love when there's so much like options and choices to do in this, this open world game. So uh, the game is cool because the, the, you can basically interact with anything. So I mentioned you could talk to NPC players, but you can go and basically pick up items off of shelves and in drawers. You can search drawers and you can find like cans of baked beans and like, you know, loot that stuff. Or you can, um, there, there's the level of detail of if your player gets dirty, you need to go and bathe your character, which they've mentioned in, in previous trailers. Your hair will grow. Um, so you need to, if you want to keep your hair the same length, you need to go to the barber and get it cut or you can shave and stuff like that. It's, it's pretty crazy. And I almost was a little bit worried that when I heard that there was that level, you know, when they, they showed it in the trailers, I was worried that it's like, okay, is this going to be like chore simulator? You know what I mean? Like having to do things that are very tedious and they, they do it in a way that you don't even really, it doesn't seem like a chore to some degree. When you actually look at it and pull yourself back, you're like, why am I, why do I have to go do this? Like, I just want to experience the missions, the actions, but you find yourself wanting to do those things naturally. They don't force you to go and do them. You just end up making the choice to go and make those experiences for yourself. So for example, transitioning into that topic, I found that in the beginning I was, you know, doing missions. I was doing missions quite quickly actually. And then as I found different mechanics in the game, different things you could do in the game, different things you could interact with in the game, I found myself getting lost in the world and just exploring different things on my own. 
there would be, you know, a time where it's like, okay, my next mission is across the map. What is around me right now that I can do? And I would just kind of ride my horse and like things would come up, right? Uh, maybe I would see some animals that I hadn't seen before and I wanted to hunt them. Or maybe I, uh, you know, found myself being, uh, encountering some gang members that I had to deal with, right? And so it was like, it was like a domino effect that I, you know, went in one direction to go do something that caught my attention. And then I ended up doing another thing, right? So it was like on the go. And it's crazy because even the characters, so you're, um, you're, you're with your gang, uh, you're kind of on the run from the law, you're, you, you set up a camp and, uh, some of the, you, you get to meet the characters in the gang and you go on missions with them, but you were even having like side missions or small interactions with them out in the real world. Like there was times when characters from my gang would pop up in my world and they were, you know, caught up in some sort of per predicament. I think I said that word, right? Uh, they're caught up in some sort of situation and you wanted to, you could either assist them or you could, you know, uh, let them be or whatever. And so it's interesting because it's moments like that. It's like, okay, you know, if uh, Charles came up to me with something that he needed help with, if I declined and just continued on my way, how would that affect the story later on? Because if I choose it, that comes up maybe later in the story in a different way. It brings up a new element to the story. So it's kind of interesting to think about in that sense. Um I've never played a game like this before be that ha that is so detailed to to that level. And so I really find myself being lost and really immersed in the world um, and just experiencing things as they come up. It's really incredible and I don't think it can be, I have not seen it replicated to this level. Now, some people, that's not gonna be their, their jam, right? Uh, we each have different interests in video games and you know that might not click with some people it clicked with me i'm finding that i really enjoy it but that being said there are some things that i did find a little bit uh tedious so one of the things that is caught me off guard of near the beginning of the game is that traveling takes a long time right you're riding by horse so um it's faster than walking, but it's not as fast as a car in Grand Theft Auto V, right? So going from point A to point B does take quite a while. Um, not like an exceptionally long period of time, but um, maybe maybe noticeably longer for the, the inpatient gamer. So right off the bat, I noticed that, wow, like there's no fast travel. I really need to, if I have to go across the map, I got to ride my horse across the map. I'm like, why did the develop like why did Rockstar choose to do that? And I think they did that so that the player would really experience the world around them. And like I was mentioning earlier, get themselves caught up in doing different things and experiencing uh, different conflicts that you come across and interacting with different characters that you meet. So it almost was like something that I was a bit annoyed with at first, but now I actually really appreciate it. There's this really cool mechanic in the game where you can switch while you you set a waypoint, you can actually start riding your horse and enter this like cinematic mode. And so uh, the camera will kind of go into like a cutscene, kind of like a widescreen shot. 
and it's almost as if you're playing with inside a cutscene. And that was really cool because that what I could do is basically set my waypoint, start riding my horse, go into cinematic, and my horse would automatically follow that route that I had set. It would it would go across the roads to you know the waypoint that I had marked off. And so that was kind of interesting because then it kind of gave me an opportunity to like, okay, sit back and just kind of look at the world and look at the people I'm going past and stuff. But you need to be careful with that. I learned that you can't just leave your controller and walk away and go to the washroom because, you know, shit can go down while that's happening. I, I remember I went into the kitchen when I did that uh, to get like a drink or something. And all of a sudden I look at my TV in my living room and like, shit has gone down and these gang members are attacking me and like shooting my horse. And so I'm like frantically getting back to the living room and grabbing my controller and like trying to resolve this like gunfight that I'm in. So, uh, yeah, I, I learned that you had to be careful with it, but it, it's a really cool extra feature in there that, uh, again, I don't think I've really seen in another game before. So that was really, really interesting. Um, speaking of horses, the horses are really cool because you can create a bond with your horse. They mentioned this in the previous trailers that you need to create a strong bond with your horse um, because, you know, the stronger the bond, the better your horse will react in like tense situations or in, in gunfight or in conflict. And so uh, basically at the beginning of the, the game, you're kind of, you're riding a horse to this one mission and you end up getting... Uh, getting a, a kind of like a starter horse but as you kind of go into the game you can find like different horses and stuff and you can buy different horses and so I've kind of experienced different breeds of horses and based on the different breeds uh, the horses perform differently of course and so I've spent a lot of time trying out some different horses and I found a horse that I actually really like and I've actually had some horses die I had a horse die on me which really sucked it was like I spent so much work creating a bond with this, you know, horse between Arthur and the horse, creating like a, a bond between them. And then the horse died. And it was like, crap, all that, you know, previous work. And I wasn't like sour about it. I was just like, yeah, that's like what would happen in the Wild West, right? Like it's a horse, you're, you're shooting guns, the horse can die and you just got to move on. You got to get a new horse. And so... It was crazy moments like that. I really can't wait until Friday's episode because I've experienced so many little stories that have left in, uh, like a, a mark on me that, or sorry, like an impression on me that like I, I, I can't, I want to talk about it so bad. I had an experience yesterday while playing that just really impacted me in a way that made me really think. It just made me feel like, whoa, that was really... Uh, that had a real strong narrative to it. That had a really strong tone to it um, to the point where I'm still thinking about it a day later, right? So it's, I can't say enough that there's so many moments like that that will stick with you. Another complaint that I kind of have that I can kind of somewhat overlook is the control mapping is a little weird. So it's it's there's a pro to it and there's cons to it. So they map out you know, it's kind of like similar to Grand Theft Auto control schemes, but basically your trigger buttons can, um, if you hit L2 while you're going up to somebody, uh, once you reach that person, you can hit L2 and then it gives you like dialogue choices where you can greet, antagonize, or rob that person. 
Um, you also, when you're on your horse and you hit L2, uh, or near your horse and you hit L2, that will bring up like a small inventory selection buttons that you can click on making different choices with your saddle or your cargo that's stowed on your horse. And so there's that, but at the same time, that's also the aim, your weapon. So if you have a weapon out, you hit that L2, it'll automatically aim the weapon. So there have been some moments where I meant to just hit L2 to interact with something, but I accidentally had my weapon out. So I aimed my weapon at that person. Or I've hit R2 because R2's mapped to some different things. And I've hit R2 while my gun was in my hand and I've shot off, like I've killed people accidentally. Um, I'll give you one little story. This is not a spoiler. This is just like a experience, that, a random encounter I had. So I was walk, I was basically going to this mission and I was on this trail and this guy came out of the woods and he was like asking me to stop because he was lost and... Well, I was hoping that I could give him a ride to the nearest town and I didn't really want to. So I got off my horse and I basically wanted to like greet him or something. And I accidentally like shot my gun or I pulled my gun on him. So of course he starts running into the woods. And so I'm trying to make this better by like, cause you can like diffuse situations. So I'm trying to chase after him and um, all of a sudden, like he like kind of like turns around and like he pulls like um he like punches me or something i can't remember how that interaction happened but all of a sudden he starts attacking me and so i tried to pull out my um lasso 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 i don't jeez lasso i think it's called my rope to lasso him and tie him up to and like just go draw i'm like just to like calm him down because he's like starting to punch me, but I accidentally pulled up my knife and cut him in the in the the gut. <laughs> and he died. <laughs> and I was like, crap, this really escalated. This guy was lost. I accidentally pulled my gun on him and he like tried to punch me and I accidentally pulled my knife and killed him. And so it was like, crap, I just killed this guy. And, and there's like an honor raking system. So when you do bad things, uh, you'll see like a, a red like cowboy in the corner of your map and like a negative sign. Or when you do good things, you'll see a white cowboy with a positive sign. Um, so you can like go in up and down. It's like good karma, bad karma. Like think of like fable where you do bad things, um, you know, you there's consequences for them. Stuff like that. So obviously I was like negative. And then um, when you do certain things, do crimes or whatever there's witnesses so you can like track down those witnesses and like grab a hold of them and tell them that, Hey, like you're not going to tell anybody about this. Or, uh, if they put up a fight with you, you have to defend yourself or, um, yeah, there's, and sometimes that can be a bit of a pain. Um, so like I said, it was kind of funny. I'm like, I didn't, because of the controls, I accidentally killed that guy. Right. I pulled out my knife when I didn't mean to, and I killed him and I now have to pay the consequences of that. But at the same time, I'm almost like that was kind of a fun experience that just unfolded um, that I didn't necessarily, I had control over, but it also felt like in a way that this is just happening um, and I need to react to it as it happens, right? I think about another experience that I had where um, 
basically my horse was riding and I ran into another person on a trail and my I like fall off my horse my horse crashed into this person and that person's horse like died from that crash that horse crash and so I got like a negative symbol for animal abuse or something it said in the corner and then it, there was like a witness to that that was gonna go tell get the lawman as they say in the game uh, to come down and chase me down so it's like well, what the hell dude like I didn't mean to kill this guy's horse like it was a complete accident and now this guy's gonna go like basically go get the law on me and so I chased down that guy and I he was not he's put he put up a fight and I had to kill him right so it's like I didn't want that to happen I'm trying to you know I'm a bad guy in the game Arthur Morgan is a bad character he's a a robber he's a murderer he's a, a criminal but at the same time, I kind of, in certain moments, want to play the good guy. I want to make good choices. Um, and based on those accidental encounters, it can sometimes put you in a situation where you didn't mean to, right? But I also kind of like that, like I said, because it, it creates new conflicts that you kind of just have to deal with as they come up, right? It isn't to the level, I'd say, where like you bump into a police officer in Grand Theft Auto and all of a sudden there's like six stars and you're wanted and there's cops shooting at you. It's like, okay, that escalated a little too quickly for me. These escalate a little bit more uh, realistically, but sometimes, you know, certain things can happen, right? Like, for example, I was listening to uh, Kind of Funny Gamecast who were talking about some of the experiences they had with the game. And Andy on there, he was talking about, uh, he came from a from the stable. And as he came out of the stable, there, it's kind of like a cutscene of like your player leaving the stable. And there was a dog right in front of the door and the horse like just trampled and killed this dog. And so all these people all of a sudden are like, animal abuser, you killed this dog and like got their pitchforks ready for, for him, right? And it's like, well, I didn't like, I didn't do that, right? Like that was totally, I had no control over that and it just happened. But like I said, I think there's pros and cons to that in the sense that it creates those new conflicts that you just have to deal with, right? And there is an entertaining value to that, right? So the game is is really good. I'm really enjoying it, but I definitely do not recommend this game to people who like linear games who like structure in their games this is very open it's giving you a lot of freedom it's giving you a lot of choice and it's also doing it in a way that is going to take a lot of time to do like i said i'm almost 30 hours and i'm only 30 percent completed right and that i've done quite a few missions if i pull up my stats it, it would say that i've done quite a few missions and i've done a ton of side stuff i've like spent hours just in the wild doing whatever and so it just kind of tells you that, you know, this game has a lot of depth to it. So I'm really interested to see what else happens or if there's a moment in the game that really changes how you'll have to continue on in that game, right? I think of, again, I don't want to spoil it, but there's something that happened in Spider-Man that changed the map in a way that you had, or sorry, not the map, but just like the environment that changed how you normally played that game and how you uh, went from point A to point B. I'm wondering if Red Dead is going to have that moment where it can kind of change things up, right? Where um, 
Yeah, there, what's interesting is like, unlike Grand Theft Auto where you go and if you do some crimes, you start building up like stars where the police, you're wanted level. There's a similar, it's similar in Red Dead, but different in the sense that, and I can't remember what Red Dead Redemption's wanted system was like, but in Red Dead 2, basically there's different states within the map. And in that state, if you commit a bunch of crimes and you get caught for them, you'll basically be wanted dead or alive and there'll be a bounty on your head. And so there'll be bounty hunters that will come and try to attack you. Like there's this one state that I have a really high bounty on my head and basically um, I, uh, if I go in that area, there's lots of bounty hunters on the lookout for me. Um, so I, I just try to avoid that area. So one of the ways to get rid of your bounty is going to a post office and paying your, your bounty or just avoid that area for a long time and eventually it will uh, go down a little bit. So that's kind of interesting, I thought. Um, I would say I'm almost, I almost have a bounty in every state for the most part um, just because of those little interactions, right? Like, uh, yeah, like, I'm going to save them for Friday's episode, but... There are so many stories that just happen. It's like, man, what is going on? And you're just trying to react to them. So very interesting, very cool stuff. It is a really good game. I haven't had a game for a long time where I've been able to just like an entire day play the game. As a big of a gamer I am, I, I do get burned out pretty quickly from playing like a game nonstop. There's very few games that I can play um, an entire day's worth and not really be phased by it, right? I think recently, like games like Yakuza uh, did that for me. Um, what's another game that did that? Spider-Man definitely did that for me. Those are the kind of games that I've been able to, to really... But this, I don't know, there's something about Red Dead 2 that just has put me into a new level of like... I just, I'm, I'm thinking about it constantly. It's really... It's really, it's an it's amazing game. Um, if you're on the fence about it, Hopefully some of the things that I've talked about in today's episode can help you decide and develop, you know, whether you're going to buy it or not. Um, if you're still on the fence and have some questions about certain mechanics of the game, reach out to me. Um, I've played it enough that I should be able to answer some questions if you have any. But yeah, that, that's basically it uh, for my impressions. Um, I want to do a deeper dive into Red Dead Redemption 2 on Friday's episode. So make sure you catch that episode only if you're okay with listening to some of the more story. And it's not like I'm revealing like major plot lines in the sense of like uh, the outcome of the story. Like part two of the spoiler cast is going to be talking about the end game and the final missions and what happens. Part one of the spoiler cast is going to focus more on story missions and certain missions that I went on and stuff. So this is also a open invitation. If there's anybody out there that I know personally and has played Red Dead or would like to talk about Red Dead on either part one or part two of the spoiler cast, please reach, reach me and contact me and, and tell me that you're interested in that. Um, it would be nice to have somebody to share the conversation with and get their thoughts and impressions on certain things as well. So th those are my thoughts and impressions on Red Dead Redemption 2. 
I'm not going to end the episode here though because uh, I there was a cool story that broke from a previous episode that I it broke actually the day that I uh, was recording this and so I wanted to talk about it real quick um, before the end of this episode. So earlier um, this month, I believe it was in October, maybe it would have was even in September, but uh, Sony revealed a PlayStation Classic console that's releasing at the beginning of December. And of course, we only got uh, seven games, I think it was seven, maybe even less, but we only got to see uh, a partial lineup of that game. Well, today, Sony announced the full 20 game lineup for the PlayStation Classic uh, miniature console. And here are the games. So we have Battle Arena, Toshin, Toshinden, Toshinden, yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> cool Borders 2, Destruction Derby, Final Fantasy 7, Grand Theft Auto, Intelligent Cube, Jumping Flash, Metal Gear Solid, Mr. Driller, Oddworld, Abe's Odyssey, Rayman, Resident Evil's Director's Cut, Revelations, Persona, Ridge Racer Type 4, Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo, Siphon Filter, Tekken 3, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six, Twisted Metal, and Wild Arms. So, very interesting lineup. Um, I can't really say if it has some omissions or uh, if it has some really good games on there or not because the PlayStation is a console that I never owned growing up, so I don't know what the classics are, what the what the games that everybody is nostalgic for. So. Um, just looking at this list, there are some obvious ones on here. Final Fantasy VII we already knew about. That was announced when they announced the a game. That's obviously a big one. But I think the, probably the biggest one here is Metal Gear Solid, which is the very first uh, Metal Gear Solid game. And yeah, that's, that's definitely a game that I think a lot of people associate with PlayStation. When they think of the PlayStation, they think of Metal Gear Solid. So that's a really important game on here. But they also have some you know third-party games here like Rayman obviously is a Ubisoft game Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six is a Ubisoft game and so the, it's interesting that they also and like Capcom Resident Evil Director's Cut is very interesting uh, Grand Theft Auto I thought was a very interesting choice as well you know Grand Theft Auto really didn't gain its traction until it went into the 3D world of course the first couple Grand Theft Auto games were like a top-down game that you saw from a top-down perspective. And yeah, it's interesting that uh, that made it on there. That was actually probably the biggest surprise for me after reading this list. Um, but I mean, that's that's good. Uh, the Japanese version of the PlayStation Classic will have a different lineup with a bigger focus on role-playing play games, um, which is obvious because uh, role-playing games are much larger in the Japanese market. So they have Ark the Lad, Ark the Lad 2, Armored Core, Battle Arena, Toshinden, Devil Dice, aka XI Sale, Final Fantasy 7, G Darius, Gradius, Gaiden, Gaiden, sorry, Intelligent Cube, Jumping Flash, Metal Gear Solid, Mr. Driller, Parasite Eve, Persona, Resident Evil, Ridge Racer Type 4, Saga Frontier, Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo, Tekken 3, and Wild Arms. So obviously some that share the list on both regions, but Japanese definitely have a couple different games uh, that we won't be getting over here in North America and vice versa. We have some games that probably aren't big sellers over in Japan. So it makes sense. It wouldn't make sense to have those games on those. So it's very interesting. Now that 
I'll pose the question to you guys. Now that you have heard what the lineup is for the PlayStation 1 Classic, are you going to be buying this game? Are you interested in it? I was kind of on the fence because of the price point, but now looking at the lineup, there's some interesting games there that uh, I have never experienced before that I might give a go. I don't know if it's justified though with the price. So I'm interested in what you guys think. So make sure you comment on this episode or email me at gamesarefunpodcast at gmail.com and uh, give me your thoughts on this lineup for the PlayStation 1 Classic. Maybe you guys might have a little more insight on if these are good games or if they are missing out on some better games. I'm not surprised like I do want to mention before we move on that games like Spyro or Crash Bandicoot, which both saw uh, remakes for this generation, it's obvious that those games wouldn't be on this PlayStation Classic because I don't think, um, you know, why would we want to go and play them on this console when we have them remade and remade really, really, really good. <laughs> really good. They were remade... Uh, from the ground up and on you know this generation of consoles and so why would we want to go back and play polygon versions uh of the game when we have you know these newer ones so yeah it's interesting so that is the episode we're going to wrap up the show here but of course we had the question of the week last week's question was not what is the scariest game you guys have ever played but what is the scariest experience you've ever had while playing a game. Coleman Dean writes in, for the scariest experience I've had playing a video game, I haven't played too many horror games yet. I have played The Last of Us. One of the scariest experiences from that game was the clicker room in the downtown. You essentially are trying to work your way through this dark building stealthily to avoid the clickers, which are blind, infected, post-humorous, and that was one of the most memorable sections from The Last of Us. Cheers. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, as The Last of Us is one of my favorite games. I remember that moment in the game very clearly. It was very creepy, um, and that stealth element was very difficult. The fact that they couldn't necessarily uh, see you, right, because they're blind, but they could hear you, so you had to really be careful, and that added kind of a scary factor to it, right? Like, you could come face-to-face with one of these things, and it didn't necessarily detect you if it couldn't hear you, right? Just because it's in front of you, you know, it can't see you, so you might be safe. But uh, it definitely is suspenseful, and you really have to take your time. I, I remember messing up that part uh, a couple times and having to, to redo the section and really be careful on proceeding through that area. So that's, that's a cool choice. I think The Last of Us is... You've mentioned it uh, to me before, Coleman. It's not necessarily typically put in the horror genre, but there's a lot of horror elements to it that do make the game up. Um, There's different levels and tones to it throughout the game. And yeah, that scarier, suspenseful horror aspect is definitely apparent in some parts of the game. So really, really interesting stuff. And then Brian Paquin also wrote in for the question of the week. And he said... Uh, For this week, I don't even know. Honestly, any video game that has small, creepy, fast-moving enemies are my kryptonite. You can find these guys everywhere. Left 4 Dead comes to mind, but I think you know what kind of enemies I'm talking about. Those guys give me the creeps. Also, they suck to fight. Um, There's always just enough of them to overwhelm you. Like, get out of here. (laughs) And then normally later on, you get a spray weapon or a cover weapon that just wipes them out. That's my favorite. 
So, yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. Left 4 Dead is what actually came to mind uh, when I was reading that. And then when you mentioned it, I was like, yeah. Uh, though I, I don't know the name of the, the monsters. I think they're like... Yeah, I can't, I'm blanking on the name of the monsters as well. But those certain zombies in uh, Left 4 Dead that like can like pounce on you. And, pounce? Pounce? They can like jump on you and put you down to the ground and like eat your face off. And they're really quick. Those are really, really freaky. Um, I think of Re uh, Resident Evil when you kill the zombies and then they become crimson head zombies. And they move way faster and it just amps up the scariness of those games so yeah i totally agree the scariest moment i've ever experienced in a game is i think i talked about this on last week's episode when i was talking about outlast but specifically outlast 2 i was playing with megan and we went we we're in this kind of like there's this flash these flashback scenes that you play where you're like back at this like school and i was turning a corner and i turned this corner and at the very like right away there were I was going up to this door and all of a sudden this like creepy ass monster showed up and I remember Megan and I just screaming because it was like this big jump scare moment and I began to I turned around and started running in the other direction and as I rounded the corner again this other corner down the hallway uh from the right after I turned that corner that same monster started coming from that side and so it was like a double level of jump scares right it was that initial one of that monster popping up right when you got to the end of the hallway so when you're running away thinking like okay it's behind me i just need to create distance nope it's right around the corner there that like got me uh got me twice so that was really scary that was definitely a moment that i remember uh that i'll continue to remember from uh horror horror movies um there's the, even just recently as playing the friday the 13th game it wasn't like the scariest moment I've ever experienced, but it's fun. Those jump scares are really fun in the sense like you're, you're, I was playing a, you, in Friday the 13th. If you're not aware, you play as camp counselors and one of the pers, uh, players gets to be Jason. And obviously Jason's objective is to kill everyone. And the camp counselor's objective is to basically escape the map. And there's different ways you can do that and uh, different mechanics you have to deploy in order to escape the map. And I remember playing it in this moment where it was really dark and I knew Jason was nearby because the, the music starts amping up um, when you get close close to Jason and, or when Jason gets close to you, I should say. And I remember turning the corner and bam, Jason was there. I had no idea he was there. And it freaked me out because it was like, it wasn't even like the build up, like, oh, something's gonna happen here. It was like immediate shock. So uh, that is, those jump square scares are really, uh, they can be really fun in, in, in games, especially because you're kind of in control of like, if you're anticipating a jump scare, you have to like, you can like kind of choose on like how quickly you trigger that jump scare where in movies, they just happen, right? In video games, you're kind of in control of that, which actually adds an extra layer of, uh, scariness to it. So anyways, my question for this week is kind of a, uh, a broad question, I should say, but in, in talking about Red Dead and finding new moments in video games, what is a, basically my question is, is what is a moment that you experienced in video games that really changed your perspective on video games? Um, 
And, you know, it's broad in the sense that you can interpret this any way you want. Um, just to kind of give some examples of, to help the, ju the thinking juices flow, what was a moment that maybe you experienced that maybe had an emotional impact on you in a way that's like, you know what, this actually has changed how I perceive video games. I thought video games were more arcadey. Maybe there was an emotional experience you had where it just changed the narrative that video games have for you, right? Maybe you're somebody who just sees video games as a, an easy pastime that you enjoy to play and relax, but you experience this moment and now it's brought a new perspective that focuses on narrative and character and uh, the story of a game. That's just one example. Of course, it could be other things of like, what was an experience you had that it basically, it's more not just like a specific experience of like a real life experience of like, I remember having this experience with my friend, but more of just like what happened in the game that really, really changed your perception in that moment. I'm interested in what you have to say about that because like I said, in Red Dead, there's been a couple of moments that I've experienced with that and then it started making me reflect on some of the moments I've had in the past. So I have a good one for next week, but I'm really interested to hear what you guys have to say with that. So with that being said, that is this week's episode. Thank you everyone for listening to the show. Of course, as I mentioned at the top of the show, you can get Games Are Fun every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Mountain Daylight Time on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, and CastBox. Remember, this Friday is the Red Dead Redemption spoiler cast, part one of two. It should be going live at around 12 p.m., I believe, Mountain Daylight Time on Friday. So make sure you catch that. Uh, what day will that be? That will be November 2nd. So I look forward to that episode. But until then, it's been my pleasure to to talk to you guys and we will talk to you in the next episode of games are fun everyone have a good week